Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. This morning, I want to talk about probably one of the most uh, famous Bible stories uh, whether you're a, a believer or not, whether you've been raised in church or not, you probably know this Bible story that we read through this week, and it's the Bible story called about David and Goliath. You ever heard that story before? Okay, half this room has. You all ever heard David and Goliath before? Okay, this is a call and response kind of time, all right? I'm not just up here chit-chatting with myself, okay? I need a little bit of, <laughs> I was really concerned because it's going to throw off the whole message if, I, if you're like, David and Goliath, no, no, no. Goliath? Is that what we, is that, am I hearing you right? Yes, David and Goliath. So we're going to be looking at that story. And uh, it's such a well-known story. We've seen it all over the place. It's used quite a bit, even in our society, in our culture. I know that March Madness just finished up. And any of you who watched March Madness or basketball this, this last month, we saw some David and Goliath stories, right? We, we saw, especially our boys at ORU, Oral Roberts University, they did some phenomenal things. Uh, in 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 state double A basketball, right? Anybody? Did anybody? Am I talking? Am I missing the crowd completely? Are you guys like basketball? Help me out, people. Do, do a little nod or like. Even if you don't know what I'm talking about, be like, Amen. Yep. March Madness, Pastor. That's give me something, please. I know it's been a while since we've been all together, but I need a little bit of feedback here. And so, <laughs> ORU. It's a little small, a relatively small Christian university, and they were in the tournament, and they they destroyed. Goliath in basketball, Ohio State and Florida. They barely lost to Arkansas and Sweet 16 by two points. I mean, we were like, this is a David and Goliath story. Everyone's like grabbing each other. David and Goliath story. It's just amazing shaking people. Ugh, Cinderella's everybody and Goliath together. It's amazing. And we use this story a lot, right? We talk about David and Goliath a lot. It's a part of our culture. I even growing up, one of my favorite roller coasters, I'd go to Magic Mountain. They had a roller coaster called Goliath. I love that one. They called it Goliath because it was a giant roller coaster. You're supposed to hit speeds of 70 miles an hour on the drop, that first drop. I love that. I always knew where all the cameras were, all the pit stars. They'd be like, oh, Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We weren't a Disneyland family. We didn't go to Disneyland. In fact, my dad said we hate Disneyland. Now we are a Disneyland family. But before we got to Disneyland, we always would stop at Magic Mountain. We were closer, and we thought we were rough and tough. You know what I mean? We, you know the crowd at Mountain Magic Mountain is a little bit different than the crowd at Disney. You know what I mean? Disneyland, someone comes up behind you, they're probably going to say, oh, you dropped some money. Magic Mountain, someone comes up behind you, they're probably going to thank you. So you know what I'm saying? It's just like it's a little bit different, a little bit different. But I loved, I loved, I loved it. I love Magic Mountain. I love all roller coasters. And Goliath is my favorite one. And so in, okay, <laughs> revealing a little too much about my history. Um, anyway, but, but David and Goliath has been a part of our society, been a part of our culture for quite some time. And... Uh, and typically, we see this story of David and Goliath taught, and what happens is when we, when we read about it, we, we see in culture, it becomes popular because uh, potentially why the, ch the church has taught it certain ways and the culture has grabbed onto it. And it talks about a lot about success, about the little in insignificant nobody taking on this giant somebody or something and tearing it down, and it's like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Culture even, right, they talk about businesses, you want to grow in business, you're going to be a, a David and Goliath business, you're going to get big, you're going to take over the giants, you're going to do all these wonderful things. And it's, it's prevalent in our culture and in our society, but typically as 
heard this story of the David and Goliath taught like this, and it comes from reading ourselves into the text and our struggles into the text. And you can read it, and sometimes you'll do it. You'll read the story of David and Goliath, and when you read it, all of a sudden, as you're reading, you are David in the text, right? And, and you are now inspired as you're reading to defeat the Goliath of your life. And you read into the text, and see, maybe, maybe you, uh, and I've heard it taught like this before, maybe you have bad finances and you just need to destroy that giant. Maybe you've got joblessness and you've got to take on your giant. Maybe you have some type of illness in your body and you need to conquer that giant. Or maybe you've got marital problems or family issues or loneliness or you struggle with frustration in your life and those things are your Goliath and you're like David and you have to go out and beat it. Maybe you've heard messages like that before from the pulpit preached or when you read yourself into the text and you feel like I have to go out and delete, defeat my Goliath. Even if you just Google search David and Goliath, you'll see hundreds of different Sunday school lessons about five smooth stones. About stones that you can pick up that God has given you to run into the battles of your own life to defeat your Goliath. And we read stories like this and we have these five smooth stones that say like, God has given you the five smooth stones of courage, of confidence, of preparation, of trust, and victory. And with those stones, you can defeat any obstacle. Right? Anybody ever heard messages like that before? With the spirit of God and past experience and the word of God and vision about something bigger than yourself and a heart full of faith, you can take down any giant. Right? Each of these lessons is a variation of the same threefold theme that we see. David chooses five smooth stones to face Goliath, God has given five smooth stones to face giants of your own life, and if you use these stones, you can be victorious. There's even a popular meme that I saw going around that says, sometimes God puts Goliath in your life so that you can find the David within you. You just get all goosebumps, like, ooh, that's inspiring. Ooh, there's a Goliath, that means there's a David inside of me, right? But do you notice something that's missing as we interpret the text this way? What have I been talking about as we continue to look at the Old Testament? That it's always pointing to Jesus. It's always pointing to someone. Always pointing to something greater than ourselves. And when we interpret the text as if we are David and we're called to go beat up our Goliath, we are missing a main character in the text, and his name is Jesus. See, Jesus is the center of the Old Testament. He is the author and the perfecter, perfecter of our salvation. He is the one who redeems us and restores us. But something has taken his place in this story of David and Goliath. And the something that's taken his place is us. We have put ourselves in the place of Jesus. It makes the story about our faithfulness, our obedience, our battles, our weapons, our victory. And what happens when that happens on a Sunday morning or in Sunday school, and when we read the text to ourselves, all it becomes is a new age understanding of self-affirmation, self-actualization, self-esteem. It becomes a story about building your self-esteem rather than revealing the gospel of what Jesus did for us. As we do in our daily lives, sometimes as we read the Bible, we place ourselves at the center and put Jesus on the periphery, put Jesus on the outside, and make it about ourselves. 
And that's a danger. Anytime we read scripture, we try to apply it uh, not to our lives, but how we fit within the story. And oftentimes we get it wrong. The problem with this type of interpretation, putting ourselves in the place of the hero of the story, is that we think it's our job to go out there and defeat all of these giants that come against us. It's up to me. I don't have victory because I'm not good enough, faithful enough, obedient enough. And we make this story about us. Could now, could I preach a message like that and inspire you? You bet. You could leave here so inspired if I preach a message like that. You just got to have enough faith. You just got to have enough obedience. You just got to have enough in you. And you can do it. You can do it. And you walk out there going, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. The problem is, it's about you and not about him. So we want to be people who say, as we approach the text, what does it reveal to us about Jesus? Because so often in the world, this idea of David and Goliath, where we are David and the Goliaths are the obstacles that we face in the world, is that it, it vibes so well with secularism that, that it, it almost feels natural for us to preach it that way and understand it that way, right? Just got to believe in yourself. You got to follow your heart. The power is within you. You don't have to be Christian to have these sayings become a part of our, it's every day the world is trying to inspire you to do something and to believe in yourself. Right? Nike, just do it. Do what? I don't know. Just do it. You got to have faith, George Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. It wasn't in my notes, but I just thought I would say it and throw it out there and see if anybody caught it. It's for our more seasoned veterans in the faith. <laughs> see, this kind of messaging is super inspiring until we run up against a giant in our life that we try to take on by believing in ourselves and having confidence and I've got enough faith. But what happens when we try to take on a giant and it doesn't move? What happens when we pray for that loved one who's sick and dying and nothing happens? What happens when we're, we're, we're going through obstacles and financial hardships and we're crying out to God and we don't see anything change? What happens then? See, that's a, a, a challenge to our very faith because in those moments, your faith will be tested and you'll wonder, I guess maybe God isn't here for me. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe, maybe, and it begins to blame you for the shortcomings in your own life. That's where the word of faith movement comes in. And if you just had enough faith, you could be healed. If you just had enough faith, if you could just name it and claim it. But we know that that's not the gospel. See, if you could just muster all the faith you can and believe all the positive thoughts about yourself, about healing or whatever, claiming the promises of God, or well, the, the problem is when you, you read David and Goliath like you're the hero, you misunderstand that you were never called to defeat some of these giants in the first place. So let's go to the story of David and Goliath, and we'll see who the hero of the story is. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we read about the Philistine army that come to challenge the nation of Israel. And they say, we're going to send a champion out, and you send your champion out. 
And whoever's champion defeats the other, that people would become servants of the other. They, 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 they did this in ancient times because that way they just wouldn't have to wipe out everybody, all the males. That they wouldn't just have hand-to-hand com- combat for all their army and their military leaders. They would send out a champion. So they send out this champion named Goliath. And for 40 days, 40 days, he's shouting. He's, he's mocking and he's cursing the people of Israel. For 40 days, Goliath challenges them to send out a champion. And for 40 days, the people of Israel hide in fear. And then all of a sudden, David shows up on the scene, not because he is the mightiest warrior in Israel, but because his daddy told him to go feed your brother some bread. 1 Samuel 17, verse, chapter 17, verse 17 says, And Jesse said to David, his son, Take your brothers and ephah, of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brother. So David shows up, bread in hand for his brothers, and then he begins to hear Goliath challenging the people of God and begins to question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is rebuking and challenging this nation and and our God, the God most high? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the will of God. He begins to ask these people that are in hiding, hiding behind rocks and in caves, what's going on here? And as he's doing it, his brothers, his oldest brother comes up to him and he sees him walking around and he, and he rebukes him. In verse 28, he says, why have you come down here? You come down here to see a battle? You come down here to watch a show? Why are you here? What are you here for? What's your purpose here? And he begins to say that he would fight this giant. And so they take him because no one is willing to fight. No one is willing to approach this giant, Goliath. And they take him to King Saul. And King Saul begins to question him and ask him all of these things. And he decides to let this boy, amongst all these men, go out and fight this giant on his own. He says, put on my armor first. And you notice that he tries to dress him in his own armor because... I think he wants him to look like himself when he's out there in the battlefield. Is that Saul out there? He's got his armor on. But David says, I can't do it with this stuff that you want me to wear. I can't do it with uh, the way you think I need to do it or the way I should do it. I got to do it the way that I know I should do it. So David goes out, and in verse 40, it says he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And as David approached Goliath, Goliath began to mock him and curse him. And Goliath told David that he would feed his flesh to the birds. And probably the most profound part of this story is found starting in verse 45. David responds to him and says, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I'll give your dead bodies to the host of the host of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword, not with spear, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And he will give you into our hands. And David begins to run towards Goliath. He takes one stone out. He slings it at Goliath's head and it drops him like a hot minute. 
And he runs up and cuts his head off. And what, is hap- what happens after that moment? It says the enemy army saw that, that Goliath was dead and they began to flee. And in that moment, the, the hiding Israelites who were cowards behind the rock stand up and recognize that they're fleeing and say, David has done it. They get up and they begin to chase the enemy army and begin to kill them along the way. And then they come back and they plunder the camp, it says, and take home all of their goods. And eventually we see that David becomes king. And as we look at that story, maybe you began to pick up some parallels. Maybe you began to notice that there are similarities in this story related to another story in Scripture. We see in this story about David that initially he is sent by his father. We see that David is rebuked by his brothers, that he picks up five smooth stones, and as he does running towards the enemy, he is mocked by his enemies. And yet when he's victorious over the enemy, his victory is transferred to the others in the army, and they begin to march out in victory that he has won for them. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to highlight this first point that is here out of the story of David. And the first point is that we are not the hero of the story. When we read this text of David and Goliath, we are not the hero. We are more like the Israelite army, army who are cowards and hiding in fear. We are the ones who say there are giants <laughs> and we don't know what to do with them. And we will hide. And Goliath, as we read this story, this Goliath is our enemy, but it's, it doesn't represent bad finances or other issues uh, that, are, that are symptoms. Goliath represents the, the main problem that we face in this life, and the main problem that we face is sin and death and the enemy of our souls, the devil. Goliath represents those things, things that we could never overcome on our own. Things that we could never walk in in victory from on our own. The second point that I have for us this morning is that no amount of self-esteem or positive self-talk will defeat the giant of sin and death in our lives. See, when we forget that we are not, we're not the hero and that Goliath is not just some abstract thing that we face when we're going through hardships, but it's. There are distinct pictures of what God is trying to reveal to us. Then we can put these in right perspective because the story of David is the story of Jesus and what he did for us. My last point, the third point today, is that Jesus is always the hero of the story. Jesus is always the hero of the story. When you read scripture and you ever read it and you become the hero, stop yourself. Say, this is not about me. This is always about him. And here's where we begin to see the parallels of Christ and what he did for us. As David was sent by his father, that we know that Jesus was also sent by his father to bring the bread of life to his brothers and sisters. And as he approached and came into the world, the bread of life, 
the light of the world born into humanity. He begins to live out this perfect life. And we understand that as Jesus begins to teach and, and reprove the people of God and nation of Israel, religious leaders and his own disciples and even his own brothers and sisters born from his mother Mary, they begin to rebuke him. He is rebuked by his own brothers as he's come to say, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they say, that can't be true. And they rebuke him. Peter tells them, it will never happen. And he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the will of God as the way I see it. Then we see Jesus in the five smooth stones. This is what I love about this story. See, David picks up five smooth stones. And I believe those five smooth stones uh, that he picked up as a way, a road to his victory, represent the five wounds that Jesus bore on the cross. See, Jesus had five wounds as he went to the cross. In his hand, in his head, in both hands, a wound that went through his feet and pierced in the side. And really, it only took one of those wounds to defeat the enemy because his life was being given as a ransom to set us free from our sin. And it as David took these stones to defeat the Goliath in his life, we see Jesus take these wounds into himself to defeat sin and death and hell and the grave for us. See, Jesus is the hero of this story. We see that as David was mocked by his enemy, we see that Jesus was mocked on the cross, telling him, if you're really the son of God, bring yourself down from here. Call legions of angels to set you free. Just as Goliath mocked David, say, uh, you send me a boy with a stick and rocks, how are you going to defeat me? Satan, the enemy, didn't, didn't perceive that Jesus was going to die on the cross and the victory that he would have three days later as he rose from the grave. He was mocked, just as David was mocked. And then we see this transference of victory from David as he won and inspired the people now to run out into their own victory we see that Jesus, his victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave quickly became our victory as we run out against the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. So anytime we read this story of David and Goliath, it is not about us. It is always about him and what he did for us. Jesus is the hero of this story. And the story of David and Goliath is a foreshadowing of the gospel. And when we make it about ourselves and about our own ability to overcome the giants in our lives, we remove, we remove the gospel from the story of David and Goliath. When we make this story about ourselves, our faith, our courage, our confidence, what happens when those giants don't fall? What happens when our loved ones die? When we've stayed up all night praying for their healing? What happens when... We lose a relationship that we fought so hard for, a job that we didn't get, or things that don't work out our way. We have to get into this mindset because when we begin to read stories like this, it is as if we turn Jesus into a genie. If I do all the right things, you've got to do all the right things. If I say all the right things and do all the right things that I think I'm supposed to, then you have to do for me, you have to give to me. But what happens when that doesn't happen? Your faith is challenged and you think, is this all for nothing? 
Is it all fake? Is it all phony? I'm trying my best and it's not working out for me. This giant didn't fall. Well, can I tell you, the story wasn't about you. And it wasn't trying to defeat these giants. Sometimes we have to understand that there is a suffering that we go through as followers of Jesus that is right. Partaking in the suffering of Christ doesn't mean we're always going to have happy-go-lucky lives. It does mean that Jesus defeated the, mo- the giant that we needed to be defeated the most. He defeated the giant that we could not defeat. Sin, death, hell, and the grave. What we could not overcome, he overcame for us. So that when we are going through struggles in life, we can say, maybe this is happening to me and I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want this situation. But I'm still standing firm on the fact that I have victory in Jesus over the things that matter the most. So I can go through hardship and trial and and pain and lack and hunger and nakedness and all of these things that Paul says about. He's gone through uh, famine and hunger and plenty. He's walked through nakedness and he's been been covered. And yet in all these things, he he is completely fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And I want us to be a people who say, it's not about what I have and don't have that determines my faith in Christ. It's that I understand what he did on the cross for me. He conquered the giant that I could not conquer, that I could walk in victory and freedom. But I don't want us to be a people who live in a way that becomes about, if I have any hardship at all, God doesn't love me. If I have to walk through any type of struggle, then I... There must be something going on, or I don't have enough faith, or I don't have this or that. No, you just this is life, and we live in a broken world. But we can stand firm in the confidence knowing that Jesus defeated the Goliath of our lives so that his victory becomes our victory. So ultimately, even though we might have 80 years of struggle in this earth, we will have an eternity with him because of the victory he won for us at the cross. The gospel, the gospel is revealed to us in the story of David and Goliath. He did what we could not. And we were hiding in fear and trembling, defeated, and he came and defeated the thing that we could not defeat in our own lives. So that we can have the confidence that we can walk in righteousness, we can walk in holiness, not because of our own efforts, but because of what he did for us. But I pray that our, that our understanding of who Jesus is would not be so shallow as to say we can never go through hardship for he's not defeated that giant for us. You're going to go through hardship, church. And we might be going through some very difficult things in the near future. And I pray that in those moments, you would not, your, your faith would not weary or your faith would not walk away because of the hardship you're facing, thinking there must be something wrong with me or my faith is not strong enough and I just can't do it and you give up on Jesus. You're going to face some difficult things, but in those moments, the, the promise that Jesus gave for you is that he would never leave you or forsake you. And he can do that because he defeated the giant that we could not. So every time you read this story of David and Goliath, understand that we were defeated, cowering in our sin and guilt and shame. We were powerless to overcome sin and death because it was too powerful for us. So God the Father sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to come and to bring us the bread of life to conquer the enemy that we could not conquer ourselves. And in so doing, we rejected him, we mocked him, and yet he still went to the battle for us. He did not turn away from the fight. 
even as we ran from it. He was mocked, spit upon, beaten, whipped, and he endured all of this to gain the victory that we could not gain. And in so doing, he brought us along into that victory. The story of David and Goliath is a story of the gospel. Every time you see it or hear it, understand who it's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. So every time you face a difficulty or an obstacle, don't try to muster up your faith and feel courage. Lean into Jesus. Lean into Jesus. This is what, this is what maturity looks like in the body of Christ. Because we have to recognize it is not about us. Yes, does God want us to be faithful? Of course. Does he want us to walk in obedience? Yes. Does he want us to walk in righteousness and holiness? Yes. But the moment you turn that on to yourself and say, it's about me and I'm so good and I'm so strong and I'm so confident and everybody loves me because I'm so wonderful, you're going to fall on your face because it's not about you. So if we can walk in humility, desiring for God to move, but say, God, ultimately, I can't beat this. Ultimately, I can't have victory over this. Ultimately, I, I can't do it on my own. Jesus said, I need to be completely dependent on you every day. I have to have you. I have to be in your word. I have to be worshiping. Because the moment I think I've got it is the moment I don't. The moment I think I can do this now. I've built up in my faith. I can take on any giant. And you forget that Jesus is the one who goes before you. That's why the Bible, the Bible says pride comes before the fall, but God gives grace to the humble. I always want to be in a place of humility. And I don't want you to be discouraged when you face hardship. And I would love for you, I'd love to be up here and tell you, you're not going to go through hard things. Just like as a father, I would tell my boys, I, I, I hope that you don't have to face any struggles. I hope that you never have to walk through difficult moments. But the reality is we live in a broken world, and in this brokenness, there are going to be hard things that come at you. But I want you to know that Jesus has ultimately defeated the giant that you could not defeat. And he bought you your freedom from sin and slavery to sin and bondage. So you can walk in freedom. And in those moments that those things come at you, run to Jesus. And run to the body of Christ that he gave us so that you don't have to walk this battle alone. Because when we read the story of David, Goliath, like, we're David. We think, I can do this by myself, just like David did it by himself. No, you're not David. You're going to run out into this battle thinking you're going to defeat the giant of, <laughs> of your struggle in your life. And you're going to come and turn around and wonder, I'm by I myself. I thought I could do this. And Jesus said, I never called you to run out to battle by yourself. Let me go before you. Let me be the one who wins the victory for you. And trust in me as you walk in victory. So church, I want this to be a word that helps you stay grounded and in the foundation of who Jesus is. So you might not walk out of here shouting and be like, I'm going to take on every giant. You might not feel that way. But I hope that you would feel secure in the understanding of what Jesus really did for you. So you might have struggles in your finances. You might have relational issues that you need to work through. Trust in Jesus for those things. But ultimately, stand on the firm foundation that you are set free from sin. You're no longer a slave to it. Because all these other issues in life are just symptoms of that problem of sin. And Jesus defeated the greatest giant that we could not face. So you have ultimate hope and strength in the fact that you are walking in freedom today. Thanks for
for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It helps us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting